This is the best of Sports Channel 8, the radio show podcast. Part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Now here's the best of today's Sports Channel 8, the radio show. Last night was not a championship. It was not a playoff game. There were no buzzer beaters. It wasn't even a highly anticipated regular season affair. But it felt like sports for a couple reasons. We had a celebrity we all kind of collectively knew about and had uh, Mm -hmm. feelings for, whether we loved him or hated him. There was Michael Jordan. We had supporting cast of characters. In this case, a supporting cast included, you know, former presidents as well as other great athletes. Well, I didn't. I didn't see any presidents on there. Also, as a former Chicago resident and former Arkansas governor, <laughs> I, did, I did not pick up on that. They didn't did you label, see that? They didn't label either of them as president. No. It was Barack Obama's literally said former Chicago resident, <laughs> and Bill Clinton's was former, former Arkansas, Arkansas governor. Governor, that's pretty. That's that's pretty well done. Um, but wait a minute. Why, wait, hold on. Then why did he get Arkansas governor and uh, and? Obama didn't get Illinois, former Illinois senator. I don't know. Or what was the other uh, term they used to always uh, describe um, Barack Obama? Community organizer. <laughs> former community organizer. Uh, it, but it also felt like, felt like sports because for the first time in a while, since, God help me, I can't believe I'm saying this, since Tiger King, and even then, Tiger King, we all watched sort of at our own leisure. We all did not watch it. <laughs> We all sort of collectively sat down to watch something at the same time. Yeah. I mean, Twitter was lined up. The, going into it, we were all talking about the anticipation of the thing that night. Coming out of it, we're all talking about it the next day. Ross, I love Ross Martin casually, like, wasn't even joking himself. He's like, yeah, the uh, documentary was doing, great. I'm doing content on right. it all day today. Just like we said. Yeah. Like, if you wanted to know something about one little detail in that film, uh, in the documentary last night, and you want to know more about it, Go go look at like Chicago blogs, yep. UNC blogs, NBA blogs, Central Arkansas blogs. Like everyone is going to be giving you the fuller story of some little story you saw last night. But yes, it was the Last Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary, parts one and two. All right, he, here's my slight slight beef with it that I'll probably repeat a few times, and you'll get annoyed with me that okay. I keep saying this. But why do we have to call it a ten part documentary? If we're airing them all in, in, in couples, like the OJ documentary was 10 hours, five we parts. called it five parts. Yeah. Why are we calling this one 10 parts? Anyway, that's a minor, minor oh, no. detail. Um, Josh Goodson, what were some of your biggest takeaways from the last dance, the Michael Jordan documentary? Um, it starts off with some of the stories. Well, first, first off, Michael, the first clip we saw of Jordan playing golf, what was his putting stroke? That swing, like uh, hunched over. Yeah. It just looked really, really bad. But I also like the go- – because we talk about golf a lot. I love how they played golf before game two of that 1986 Celtic series. Yeah, with Danny Ainge. With Danny Ainge. And, like, you, like maybe you can get away with that if, like, 96 Jordan. Like, yeah, I'll do whatever I want before like, game. like, 86? Three years in the league, Jordan. Yeah, you're playing with somebody? But uh, that – the story of – um. Just, just some words I took away that I don't feel like we have now or and, and, it, and it makes sense then – David Stern calling them in France whenever on that tour in Paris. Yep, yep. They were the number one sports team in the world. Yep. And I don't know if we have that, like, if we have an – like, I would not put the Warriors no. up there. I wouldn't put LeBron 
Cavalier. I would not put Yankees. I would. I mean, I wouldn't. I don't even. I'd no. put Patriots. No, like, Patriots have been on that level, and, and in recent years, I don't even know if the Patriots even got to that level. Yeah, yeah. Only like whenever he just the. I don't know. I I could not get the phrase of Stern saying they're the number one team in the world right now. Who's who occupies that? Either it, I mean. I don't even know some EPL team like when Messi. I won't know enough about you know yeah. whatever Messi was at his biggest and his team was. Like, the best I don't. In the world. Who would you put as the number one sports team in the world right now? The most, I guess, the most recognized, most polarized, most yeah famous. I would say Patriots, but I'd probably be wrong. It's probably and even EPL if it's even if it's Patriots, it's or, not even on the level of yeah. So I, that that just stuck out to me that I thought was kind of interesting. I didn't know he went back to UNC and like rehab while he was hurt and like, but then they were talking about playing a woolen gym. I was like, Hey, in his second season, I played a woolen gym. Yeah. Well, it made uh, a lot of sense. I, th- I thought, I thought it was interesting. Um, and okay, here's one thing we, for all these documentaries, you got to watch the interview. And then there's a little bit of takeaway of like, do I believe everything this person said now? Right. They have a lot of different people interviewed in theory. You're getting so many people talking about these events that, that you will get a truthful event, uh, a true account of the event. Yeah. But a very important, I thought, scene last night was when Michael Jordan sort of talked about that he realized a lot of his Chicago Bulls teammates that he came into as a young guy weren't taking the game as seriously Serious. as he was, yep. right? Some of them were drug addicts. The circus. Uh, so, the, yeah. The he traveling. T- he talked about some were doing cocaine, yeah. some were doing weed, some had yeah. women. Um, and at that time especially, because he he did. I mean, it's different than LeBron or Zion when when, when they went yep. into the NBA, right? Obviously, he was a well-known, well-hyped player, but he wasn't immediately expected to be, you know, a polished global brand like LeBron was when he yep. entered the league, right? So he said, basically, I'm not I'm not going to be social teammates with those guys. And he lived his college life the first couple of years, you know, a nicer apartment than yep. he would have had a dorm. But it made perfect sense to me when when he couldn't play. He had no connection to that team or even really that city. He went right back to Chapel Hill, a place where he felt more comfortable, yeah. closer to his family, and also like friends that he was working out with. But it was cool seeing that footage of him in the pool and stuff. Yeah, just yeah. yeah I was. It was also also interest, interesting, like the Scotty Pippen piece, and like even the Jordan and Phil Jackson piece of the disrespect of Jerry Krause and how in like today's day and age, like if a player does that, it they they are like shamed and yeah ridiculed and especially because it's like the you make so much money how could you right. hold out or right, right. Like, yeah, blah yeah, blah yeah. blah like the the takes and i feel like I, I don't know in real time i didn't feel like everyone was pro scotty yeah pro mj pro phil or it was just so that dynamic was very interesting i think i saw someone tweeted last night it's like god you must have to really piss some people off to get booed on a ring night yeah, dude. Like, because Jerry Krause rolls out there unreal. and he's getting booed viciously and, for, you know, theoretically putting together this great team, you know, still yeah. getting booed. And I knew, so I knew Michael Jordan, the, the, you were expecting the scenes like when, um, when Scotty Burrell is sitting next to him at that exhibition yeah. and he says, Hey, can I get a hug? And Jordan looks disgusted at him. Yeah. Like, you're not taking this. Seat. I expected things like that, yeah. like Jordan basically hazing rookies, yep. right? Being like, don't goof around. This isn't the real time. I'm going to get you ready for the real time. I didn't expect Jordan to be walking up to the general manager of his team and be like, oh, is that where you keep the pills that keep you short? Right. Or are those the pills <laughs> that make you fat? You're like, yo, that is like, yeah. um, it's hard to, 
again, I'm willing to give Jordan the benefit of the doubt yeah. of doing the things that you need to do to sharpen rookies on your team. Yeah. It's hard to justify making some, fun of someone's, you know, height and weight as necessary to make you a better player. Right. right? So I think those are the things that, um, that you're like, okay, all right, Jordan could be a little bit of a jerk. Um, one thing that I was just blown away, we already sort of touched on it with Chicago resident Barack Obama and, and former Arkansas governor Bill Clinton the number of interviews that they have yeah is just unreal and they kind of one of the teasers was kind of like we're just going to give you a Boom. sequence of people sitting down yeah. here's Patrick Ewing here's Barack Obama here's Roy Williams whatever but beyond that like Sidney Moncrief it was like the guy that guarded him in his third game was important enough to bring back and sit right. down and do a full interview uh Billy Packer yeah caught you know are we going to see Billy Packer again, or did he just get basically one little snippet to talk about the 82 championship game? And then I do think, and I'll be curious your take on this, Ross Martin hit on it. He said Roy Williams was a little bit of a star. A quick Twitter search revealed rave reviews for Roy Williams. How did you feel about Roy Williams' performance last um, night? This is, this is not meant to be, like, haterific. Like, I thought he was funny, but there was nothing, there was nothing about – me that just blew me away but I think maybe because we're a little bit closer to like Roy there, there's got to be a part of Roy that's not just all shucks yes and, and because like that that rhetoric if he's if he's like that a hundred percent of the time would not work with getting the recruits that he does and getting the you know so you have to feel that there's some fire in him and stuff but it also seems like assistant coach Roy it's kind of a different dude than Sure. Thirty and thirty years ago, Roy is kind of a different dude. But uh, like, I saw people fawning over. It did not change my opinion. Like, I did not think he was like any cooler. I just, I mean, he had some good, he had some good anecdotes from a yeah. period of time that not many people know a ton about. I'm gonna give you a taste of some Twitter sampling from Jagged Fly Jones. I'm always interested in whatever Roy Williams has to say about anything. That man is captivating as hell in the best country ass way. I think that's part of yeah. it. Is when you hear his intensity the in the country, see, yeah. we're used to it. But when he says. Michael Jordan was the only man who could turn it on or off. Right. And he never freaking turned it off. Like, Roy knows what he's doing right, there, right? He's, right. he's Play, a bit of an actor, right? a little bit, yeah. But I think that stuff played well. Shea Serrano, great uh, author. Everything Roy Williams says is wildly uh, wildly charming. Uh, Russ Bingston, I'm 49 years old. If Roy Williams showed up in my living room, I'd sign with Carolina right now. This well, really it, makes me understand how he got It goes to recruits. something that we've talked about a lot, like Coach K, Roy. We're going to – I'm going to trust those dudes on a lot of stuff, and, and they're – all knowing and yeah. they're they're more than just basketball coaches from two rival schools and, and such. So no. he, he didn't he didn't say anything last night that I was just like I, I'm I'm a little bit the same way. Yeah. I um I, I watched it and I was like that's what I expected from Roy. Yeah. And then on Twitter I saw Roy Williams trending, so I just yeah. clicked it and I saw all these national people um, talking yeah. about how much they love Roy. So yeah. he it well. As we mentioned earlier, the ACC Network is featuring different schools on different days. Today it is North Carolina Day, so we thought we would reach out to a few former North Carolina athletes to talk about their experience at UNC, but also it's the day after the Michael Jordan documentary aired on ESPN, so we're talking about that as well. We might converge those right now with our next guest. She won two national titles at UNC. She's a member of the North Carolina Courage, the U.S. Women's National Team, she was a three-sport athlete and a junior college All-American at Phoenix College. She was also, I read this earlier today, the only mom on the U.S. women's national team squad last summer, which 
made for a lot of great moments when her son was around in France. We've got some great pictures. Joining us now from the North Carolina Courage and the U.S. Women's National Team, it is Jessica McDonald. Jessica, thanks for joining us. How are you doing? Oh, great. Thank you so much for having me. We, we should have gone with what they did on the last dance documentary where they showed the titles. We should have said, no, we have Jessica McDonald, former Cactus High School like yes. 400 uh, meter record holder. Did, let's start there, Jessica. Did you watch the MJ documentary last night? I did. Yeah. What were your? You are a elite level athlete yourself, so you watch it through a different lens than us, who are just you know random guys who watch sports from their couch. Um, what did you think observing uh, a documentary about another elite athlete last night? Yeah, you know what? It was so cool, and of course, it's Michael Jordan. So you already know at the end of the day, it's going to be very inspiring but it's it's an amazing thing to obviously see a little more in depth and sort of see the things that you know you can you can have in common with such an incredible athlete so it's just a really mind-blowing thing to obviously see and I cannot wait till next Sunday obviously so now I'll be twiddling my thumbs waiting for that day to come yeah, we're we're all kind of in that boat now. Like we gotta we gotta wait another week for another two hours that we're all sort of watching together. Jessica, I gotta ask you this: You were an elite athlete, not only in soccer, the sport that you continue to excel out, but like Michael Jordan, you kind of had choices. I mean, he grew up thinking he might be a professional baseball player. You excelled not only in soccer. Uh, but basketball as well. Um, you set records in, in your high school at track. You did those sports uh, for the first couple of years in college. How did you decide which sport you wanted to focus on? And have you ever considered pulling a Michael Jordan, maybe taking a pause in your <laughs> soccer career and running track or playing basketball? Yeah, it'd be really cool. It's so funny because I was actually joking like over Christmas break with my uncle. And uh, I was like, hey, what if I... I was high from soccer. I just wouldn't try it out for the WNBA. And he was yeah. like, you should do it. And I was like, oh, dear God. So I don't, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But, um, yeah, it, it was kind of nice to obviously have options, of course. Um, but I realized at the time that I was succeeding a little bit more in soccer. Um, it was just kind of taking me all over the world, whereas like basketball and track just kind of kept me here in the States. And so um, – I just I was able to seek a lot more opportunity with soccer and just being a part of the youth national soccer teams and having the experience playing at the Pan American Games with the national team. So like just you know those little things um, I was able to to dabble into with soccer and so um, just enjoyed it a little more. I think it's because of more so the traveling and the experiences it was kind of giving me. So um, it was it was a pretty easy decision to make, believe it or not. Jessica McDonald joining us from the North Carolina Courage and the U.S. Women's National Team. All right, though, Jessica, let, let me play your uncle, though, and and push you a little bit. Without, <laughs> I know you would never want to disrespect WNBA players, and obviously any athlete who competes at the highest level puts in a lot of work. But if we gave you six months or a year to train, do you think you could play at the WNBA level? You think you could be on a roster? Oh, wow. Uh yeah, I'm just going to say it with confidence. I like it. Say yes. <laughs> I like it. Jessica McDonald joining us from the North Carolina Courage. Hey, we are talking about uh, UNC Day on uh, the ACC Network. I don't know if you've seen they've been doing this, uh, but yeah, a different school every day and sort of featuring um, uh, that school. Um, when you think about your time in Chapel Hill, uh, a lot of folks sort of choose a school. Obviously, if you wanted to be a women's soccer player, 
for, for a long time, UNC was the Mecca. But then you see some folks, I think I remember seeing a documentary on Abby Wambach, who said, you know, because the great players went to UNC, I wanted to go somewhere else and blaze my trail. How did you make that decision um, of, of going to the place where the great soccer players tend to go versus trying to pick somebody else and, and establish a program that I built, uh, you know, around my name as opposed to following the names of these other legends? Oh, yeah, I definitely want to be a part of a dynasty. That's for sure. Um, just being in sort of a, a winning environment and obviously getting the experience of learning from one of the greatest coaches of all time, Anson Dorrance, to be honest, it doesn't really get any better than that. Um, so that was, it was an easy pick for me because I wanted to be challenged, um, you know, on and off the field. And so UNC was definitely able to, to do that for me. Jessica McDonald joining us from the North Carolina Courage. We talked about you being a multi-sport athlete. Jessica, I'm about to bring up a, a, a moment from about a year ago where you were playing soccer, but it was at a hockey game. Let's see if we've got sound of that, Dennis Cox. <laughs> and Jessica McDonald will take a penalty kick on Brock McGinn. I mean, she's got to score. Well, you a little bit smaller of a, a net, not as much room. Oh, yeah. Look at that celebration. Thank you, Jen. All right, so I got to ask you, how nervous were you, A, not only at the size of the goal, but I would be more, more nervous about kicking on ice, Jessica. I were know. you nervous or were oh you worried gosh. about the, 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 Steve Malik, the owner of the North Carolina Courage, was nervous seeing one of his prize players out there kicking on ice? What was that experience like? I know. Oh, my goodness. That was so wild. And the crazy thing is, I didn't even know I was even going to kick a ball. I didn't even know walking out there that that was even going to happen, you know. And so um, one of the players just kind of hands me the ball, and he's like, here, take this. You're going to take a PK. And I was like, excuse me? He's like, yeah, you're going to take a PK. I was like, what kind of PK? Like, I, I need like, a hockey stick. And he's like, handed me a soccer ball. And I'm like, oh, dear God. Like, I bust my tail on this ice in front of all these people, and it's on ESPN. Like, yep. I, it was just one of those things like close your eyes and cross your fingers and just hope and pray you don't slip. So I was I was pretty lucky there that you know I didn't slip, but they gave me these uh, sort of rubber bottoms to like put on my shoes. I was able to like wrap around my shoes and put. On, I'm not sure what it's really called, but um, it, it's what like a lot of people use to walk on ice. But uh, yeah, that that definitely helped keep me stable. That's for sure. Yeah, you, well, you nailed it, Jessica. We were we were actually in Chapel Hill at UNC at the same time, so I'm I'm glad to, I'm happy to ask you this question because I will know exactly some of the places you will say. We just wanted to play not a little game, but kind of give us like maybe your top two or three of each of these categories. Uh, you have to pick two places to eat in Chapel Hill and two places to go grab a drink or have a beer. What what, what would you put on like your your Mount Rushmore of places like that in Chapel Hill? Um, Bredman's is ah, probably yes. one of my favorite places. Like, I, I love pancakes. Pancakes is really, like, my favorite food. So, Bredman's, <laughs> like, it definitely lured me in. That's for sure. Um, and then you're talking about drinks. I mean, Top of the Hill's great because they also have, um, like, sort of appetizer type things. So, um, those are, that's probably, like, one of my favorite places to, like, kind of grab a drink and also eat a little bit. So, okay. All right, Bredman's and Top of the Hill. And th those are two that also have uh, 
were there when you were there and still hold on. Sometimes the places we love in college are gone. You know, right. by there 10, 10 years later. So she didn't say Bob's porch and or he's not. I know, she's avoiding <laughs> ones that we know that she hung out at that she just doesn't want to say now because we'll, we'll judge can't, her. But, yeah, he's not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and Jessica, last thing, obviously um, we miss not seeing you on the pitch right now. We miss not seeing the North Carolina Courage. Um, we've seen the NWSL is, um, you know, push back their, their workout time. Everything is sort of up in the air right now with sports. Um, how are you and your teammates uh, coping in this unusual time? Um, are you, how are you staying in touch and how are you staying in shape right now? Yeah, so one incredible thing about the Courage is, you know, nothing's really going to stop us. And um, one cool thing that Coach Paul Riley did was he sent us a workout partner who is pretty much our our roommate. Um, Even though I don't live with the team, um, I I actually live in Chapel Hill. And, um, but he he placed me with another player who lives by herself, Abby Dahlkemper. So she's been my training partner. And he sends us videos and workouts to do with our partner and we've been still able to to train that way um even though it's not like playing we're not doing 5v5 or anything like that because we're not allowed to do contact um sure you know it kind of takes away from your sharpness for for games but i mean we're still able to train and and have a partner to do so so that's kind of the positivity of it all um so it's actually been kind of nice, but, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, it, it does suck that our season got pushed back, but obviously for a good reason, of course, you know, we have to make sure everyone stays healthy, obviously. And so yep. um, during this entire pandemic, but yeah, it's, it's actually been okay, to be honest, and, you know, kind of giving my body a little bit of a break as well, which is kind of a, a positive too. Yep. So yep. Um, it's actually really not that bad. But yeah. I'm not yep. really complaining too much. There have been some silver linings uh, for all this. And like you said, the safety and health of people are first. But whenever it comes, we will be excited to see the courage back there dominating once again. Um, we appreciate all you do for us here locally, uh, playing for the courage and uh, representing us on the U.S. women's national team as well. Jesse McDonald, thanks so much for the time. Um, keep working out with Abby. She actually stopped by the program about a week ago. So you can tell, tell her we said hello. And uh, we can't wait to see you playing again soon. Thanks so much for the time today, Jessica. Awesome. Thank you for having me, you guys. We don't have sports back, but we had the closest thing to it last night when we all collectively sat down on our couches for a Sunday night showing of The Last Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary. Here to talk about that documentary, his performance in it, as well as some other things, including, you know we're going to have to ask about Devontae Graham. We are now talking to the assistant general manager for the Charlotte Hornets, originally from Asheville. He played at UNC, a former head coach at UNC Wilmington, App State, Tulsa, Tennessee, and Coastal Carolina, and again now with the Charlotte Hornets. Joining us is Buzz Peterson. Buzz, thanks so much for joining us. How are you doing, sir? Hey, hey, Josh. Thank you very much for having me on. Appreciate it. Hey, I got to start. We are going to talk about the documentary and the Hornets, but in these different times i have to ask you how are you doing um and how are you coping with our current shelter in place orders um what is this week number six uh, i've lost count my house <laughs> yeah my house every light bulb is working uh my grass is green uh i got I got mulch everything in the house i've done a lot of honeydews yeah. more than i've ever had before <laughs> so uh each day I try to find something to do in the yard to get outside, do something. But it's uh, it's been a uh, time to reflect. Uh, I spent a lot of time with family. My son's home from college from High Point. We played for Tubby Smith there. So he's been home, spent time with him. 
And the big mistake I made there, I got rid of his bench press and his basketball goal. So I've had to <laughs> order uh, each of those again to get back here. So it's it's been fun. I say that got some a lot of good home cooked meals. Are these are these home projects you've been doing? Are these be honest? Are these things you knew how to do already, or are you like to the point where you are just tinkering with things? <laughs> Thank God for YouTube. Uh, <laughs> yeah. For that and and. And my my buddy down the street, Patrick, my neighbor, who can do all kinds, who's built homes before, so uh, he's been able to help me out a lot. So it's it's been uh, it's been interesting, it's been fun to take on new chores, uh, but it's just I mean, after the first two weeks, you're like okay, but now you're kind of like ugh, you know, you just got to push through this, and hopefully there's uh, we're on the on the backside of this. Buzz, yeah, I, you, I'm sure you didn't listen to our show earlier, but we were basically talking. We are right in line with what you are doing right now, trying to find more home projects to do, learning how to do them ourselves, asking that one guy down the street who doesn't burn yeah. things up to help us with it. So you are relating to us in many ways right now. Um, oh, got it. Got, buy, buy. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, just don't buy outdoor portable basketball. One of those NBA goals. It took us for hours to get that <laughs> thing together. I definitely don't recommend that. Good tip from Buzz Peterson. Hey, I got to ask you, have you talked with Michael Jordan about the Last Dance documentary and asked him his thoughts? Have you talked to him since it aired last night even? No, I haven't talked to him uh, since last night. I mean, it's, I jump on first thing in the morning with conference calls, and I just had to get off of one. Uh, so it, throughout the day, you're on two to four conference calls every day. Uh, but I did text him last night. And I told him, I said, well, I imagine by, this, by the night, I'm going to get a lot of calls wanting your number. So what I may do is go ahead and disconnect my number and get a new number so that people can't get a hold of me. That goes to my next question. When you are stopped by, um, you know, in the past 20 years, if you're stopped by a person on the street, a television producer, anybody on any walk of life, and they say, hey, Buzz, can I ask you a question? How many times, what percentage of the time is that question something about Michael Jordan? 95%. (laughs) Ninety-five <laughs> percent. That's uh, especially when I leave North Carolina. I get out to the part of the country, whatever. It's uh, your affiliation becomes. You were not the coach at Coastal Carolina or Wilmington or App State or Tennessee or whatever Tulsa. It's you were Michael's roommate. And is that difficult at times? I mean, you're, you have you've had an accomplished career. You're a player. You're a great coach. You're now a GM. Is it at time? Obviously, you're friends with Michael, and you take everything that goes with it. But are there times where you're like, man, I, I wish that people would ask me some things more about Buzz Peterson than Michael Jordan? You know, it's not. Uh, I don't have. I'm not a person with a really strong ego. Um, I, Michael, we have been very close friends. Um, and so if, if it was somebody that wasn't loyal to me or we were not good friends, I imagine, yes, it would be difficult. But, no, sure. we're, uh, we've always remained close since the summer of 1980, since we met each other. And uh, I'm so thankful for him for giving me the opportunity to work for one of his organizations in the Hornets uh, while I can keep employment and everything. So uh, he's been a very, very close friend. And, and when somebody mentions uh, uh, being affiliated with him, it doesn't bother me at all. I kind of look at it as, uh, as something that I'm very fortunate, very blessed to have this affiliation with Michael. Buzz Peterson, assistant general manager for the Charlotte Hornets, joining us on Sports Channel 8. Buzz, uh, one of the things that I guess, I guess was um, eye-opening about last night in particular and one of the scenes was 
uh, Michael Jordan telling the story about the hotel room and walking in and seeing his the other players doing not good things. And, and you kind of saw Michael, the very raw, talking about that was not for him. And then from there, he's, you know, it seemed like it that affected him, like knowing other players were like that. It, were you – I mean, did he ever – I know you guys were close. Did he ever talk to you about those certain things, about, like, the, the team that was going on at that, that point? Because for a lot of people watching it, that was – it was it was, it was was good to see him have that rea- – you know, see that raw reaction to that particular, I guess, uh, part of his life. Let me tell you this. It's going to get better. <laughs> it's going to get better. I hmm. promise you we start watching some of this uh, more episodes. But I do recall – when he first went there as a rookie, uh, we talked. I mean, we talked, you know, three or four times a week. Uh, there was a part of him that was he missed college life. Uh, heck, when the guy landed in Chicago, nobody was there to pick him up. And that's where his <laughs> relationship started with George Kohler. George, you know, run the limousine service. He's been sitting there, that's standing right. there, and he uh, looked at the Sun Times and looked at his face and said, well, that's a kid we just drafted, the Bulls drafted. <laughs> and remember, the Bulls were not a, the talk of town up there. They were not. I mean, you know, I saw. I think there was an indoor soccer team they discussed last night. Got a lot more publicity than they did. So, you know, he. It was. Uh, it, it was something that's. It's uh, for, for Michael. It's. Uh, it, it was strange there at first. It really was when he first went to Chicago. My fiance but, was know, watching it. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. go ahead. Well, no. It's just as times went on. I mean, I was going to say uh, he. Uh, it, it got. To the point where you know let me say this his parents did a tremendous job of raising him and his brothers and sisters let me say that they knew what the outside world was like how cruel it could be they did a good job of uh parenting the, their kids and michael knew the difference between what was right and what was wrong uh being off the floor with street with the drugs and everything yeah, you could definitely see watching the documentary how important family was. Uh, my fiance was watching docu- documentary last night, and she kept asking me questions, thinking that I would know these things. And I was like, I'm, I'm going to have to see this in the documentary too. One of the things she asked me, did his teammates like him? Did Michael Jordan's teammates like him? And I guess my question to you is, you played with him as a teammate in college. That was a little bit b- before he was quite the professional player he was. Do you think you would be as good friends with him if you had been a Chicago Bull with them, like it, it, was it hard to be his teammate and his friend for a long term? What what I this is this is thing, but if any good leader, or whatever they are very demanding. Michael was when Michael's on the floor and you're one of the other four guys with him. You better be at a hundred percent, and you better be focused and thinking the game of basketball. Michael Michael is. He's not out there just running up and down, jumping the last stuff. He is a thinker of, on the floor. So if you don't, if you're not on your p's and q's with him there, he's going to let you know. And the more intense he gets, the worse it could get. What's coming to, t- to tell you? So I mean, that's just like uh, I, I really think that any good leader of a business or whatever, they're going to work extremely hard, and they want their employee, their employees, to work extremely hard as, as they are also. So that's Michael is very demanding when you're on his team. I'm not going to ask any specific numbers, but I do have to ask. We saw him playing a little golf last night with Danny Ainge before a professional, yeah. uh, before a playoff game. I imagine you've played a little golf with him. Again, I won't get into numbers, but in a lifetime of golf betting with Michael Jordan, are you up or down, Buzz Peterson? Oh, I don't think I've ever been up. I mean, there's just no way. <laughs> I mean, he's going to fix it where I'm never up. But 
He's he's been that way ever since Davis Love uh, took us to Finley Golf Course and showed us how to play, how to swing a club. He's been the same way, you know, the first day. All right, let's see if we can hit, who can get the closest to that flag. You know, and it's always betting that way. But uh, I played with him uh, back in the fall. I didn't realize we had a bet going. And then when we got done, uh, he said, you owe me $100. And, he, and, I said, and he said the same thing to Mitch Kupchak. We're like, why? He says, oh, I beat you guys. He said, I gave you all some shots, and I totaled up, and I beat you. So I said, hold on just a second. I walked over to uh, in this pro shop, the course he has down in Florida in the pro shop. I reached over there. I got me a couple shirts, and I grabbed me a pair of shoes. I said, okay, here's your $100. So I said, okay, now I feel better. I played 36 holes of golf on your course. I got me two shirts and a pair of shoes. I'm okay with it. All, all comes out of the wash. Hey, uh, yeah. Buzz Peterson, assistant general manager for the Hornets. Uh, we appreciate you answering our Michael Jordan questions. We enjoyed seeing you last night. We will continue to look forward to seeing you in the documentary. Quickly got to ask you two questions. Um, what is the life of a current assistant GM like? in the NBA with what's going on right now. You got players uh, declaring for the draft. We have no idea what the summer will look like, what the draft will look like. How do you begin to prepare for all this unknown right now, Buzz? It's a lot of uncertainty. It really is. Uh, but you know what? We're, I feel very comfortable in good hands with our commissioner, Adam Silver. I feel like he's getting uh, – he'll get the uh, – he'll do the best thing for this league. I mean, it comes down to what's important is the health and wellness of everybody. And, and, you know, nobody wanted this to come along and, and this, we're all, you know, we're all out of, you know, not going to work every day. And so, but uh, Adam is, is, I'm sure with his staff is doing a tremendous job and I have the utmost confidence in them. They'll, they'll do the best to get us back out there when it's time needed. And final question for Buzz Peterson, assistant GM of the Charlotte Hornets. Um, again, we're talking about the Michael Jordan documentary. We're obviously all focused on this current pandemic, but I can't have you on and not ask a question about a hometown hero of ours. Devontae Graham had an incredible season. Kid out of Broughton High School here in Raleigh. Um, led the Hornets in scoring and assists, I believe. I know uh, Rogier scored a lot of points too. But what has the development of this guy looked like? A, a second-round draft pick to now a, a leader on the floor. Um, obviously, he's Maybe not on the same trajectory as a Michael Jordan, but we're seeing things from Devontae Graham that obviously you can build a franchise around. Talk about his growth in his two seasons in the NBA. Well, he had the right mentality this summer. I mean, he stayed in Charlotte. He worked extremely hard. He asked the coaches to give him a plan. Uh, and you could, when we started back in the fall, when we started camp in Chapel Hill, you could tell right away who worked hard in the summer. And Devontae was one of those guys. He put the time in the gym. I've seen, I've, I've watched Devontae for a long time. When I, I was, when I was, went back to Appalachian State, I, right. I saw him in high school. And then Jason Capel, my assistant, got the job. And Jason signed him there. Yep. And he went through a difficult time whether to keep him there or let him out of it and everything. So, but Devontae is, to me, at, talking with him and everything is, he said he's always had to prove people wrong. He's always had a challenge out there that people just didn't think he could do it. And i tell you one thing, the start of the year he had this year, in those first 28, 30 games, he was unbelievable. Yeah. And, and he's, he went through a slump there a little bit, but now as, as before we stopped, uh, he, was, he, he got it back together again. So I, I can't think of a more improved player this year than Devontae Graham from last year. I mean, those 18 games I think he played in Greensboro – gave him a lot of confidence, helped his development. And 
to me, and I'm, of course I'm biased, but I, I don't think there's more improved player in the NBA this year. Our NBA expert, Brian Geisinger, was saying a lot of the same, man. Just good stuff from Devontae Graham. Yeah. Buzz Peterson, thank you so much for your time. Hey, guys, we appreciate you. We uh, will look forward to seeing more of you on The Last Dance, the uh, MJ documentary. Thank you. We'll talk to you in the future. Hey, guys, thank you. Uh-huh. You've been listening to the best of Sports Channel 8, the radio show podcast. Don't forget there are many ways you can listen to this podcast, including streaming at WRALsportsfan.com, the WRAL Sports Fan app. And you can also subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, and TuneIn. This podcast also drops every weekday at noon. Thanks again for listening to the best of Sports Channel 8, the radio show podcast.